0: With me is Dr. Rajbans, President of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Good morning, Dr. Rajbans. Good morning. This is really interesting. The government will be launching an operation to release mosquitoes infected with the Walbachia. Walbachia? Walbachia? Wolbachia, right? sure. <laughs> Wolbachia <laughs> bacteria in 10 localities in July to boost the control of dengue. This is according to our Deputy Prime Minister Dr. Wan Aziza Wan Ismail. She said the move was decided to um, following the success of the pioneer program in 5 localities conducted since 2017 in which nearly 4 million Wolbachia-infested Aedes mosquitoes were released. Can you tell us how this works?
1: Yeah, I mean the the bacteria is supposed to inhibit the growth of the dengue virus how? Uh, so, I, I probably just maybe damages the virus so it can't grow, and that that way, if the virus is not in growing in the mosquito, then it probably can't infect us. Don't worry about all these viruses; is that they after a while do tend to, you know, mm-hmm. become resistant and that's right. why you always get different resistant sort of uh, viruses. Uh, that's why every year, for example, the influenza they come up with vaccines every year because they worry about the mutations. Yeah, new uh, vaccines, right? Yeah, for yeah.
0: dengue.
1: Yeah, so so whether this bacteria will be able to Continue doing what is doing to inhibit the virus, or whether after a while the virus actually can get resistant to these bacteria. So it'll be good, but seems to be working so far. So mm-hmm. let's wait and see. But uh, the mosquito has been around for millions of years, right. and they uh, hope they just don't find a way to overcome this resistance. Yeah. And that sometimes the worries whether they actually even become more virulent. So we just have to wait and see.
0: Yeah, I mean, looking at the statistics, I, I've read that for dengue fatalities, 59 deaths have been reported nationwide from January to March this year alone, yeah?
1: Yeah. I mean, we always look at a few hundred a year, so hopefully this will reduce. And, and it's not just the mortality, it's also the morbidity. Many mm-hmm. people get infected, get admitted to hospital, you know, loss of uh, you know, time at work and many things like that. So it's actually good if we can prevent dengue.
0: Alright. When we come back, um, the FDA in the United States proposes new fluoride standards for bottled water, but some say it is still too high. I question why we even need it. Um, well, that's after... January. Jason Mraz here on Light. Win your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. On Healthwise, I have Dr. Rajbans with me and taking a look at this latest story from CNN Health. It looks like uh, the FDA proposes new fluoride standards for bottled water, but some say it is still high and poses a danger to human health. Um, The new regulation, if finalized, will lower allowable levels of fluoride in domestically packaged and imported bottled water to 0.7 milligrams per liter which is a slight reduction from the current standard. You know, they've come up with so many studies that have now said that fluoride is not necessarily a thing we need in this day and age, and it actually has uh, dire effects on our health. Why are we still including fluoride in our tap water and things like that?
1: Actually, uh, it's a good question because uh, a lot of times people have done things that are, I suppose, just knee-jerk, and we end up having a lot of toxins in our, uh, not only the water, but in our foods. Mm-hmm. And somehow, once it's done, to get it out of the system it takes longer you know there's a lot of uh, bureaucracy and you know fluoride is causing uh, it affects even the mental health of children and for that matter even what about adults and uh, you know as people more and more people are getting dementias whether all the toxins in our you know water and our food is actually affecting us so i think the best thing to do will be just no fluoride, you know, because mm-hmm. it is a toxin. And you know, it's to prevent tooth decay. I think it's just good oral hygiene will be good enough. Exactly. Yeah. I
0: mean, uh, personally, I try to buy um, whatever toothpaste I can. Usually, it's a maternity type toothpaste mm. that doesn't contain any fluoride for yeah, my family.
1: So that that's good. I mean, mm. and uh, hopefully they will get less and less of this, uh, especially in the water. You know, whatever the level is, still a toxin.
0: All right. Well, when we come back, we're going to take a look at hypertension and why we should take it very, very very seriously. All that is up next here on Light. It's breakfast with Shaz. It's a Thursday, so that means Dr. Rajbans is here with me. Let's talk about hypertension, Dr. Rajbans. We know it is high blood pressure. It occurs when the force of your blood against the artery walls experiences higher pressure than usual. And th- the latest out of Free Malaysia today is that we should take it very, very seriously. It's a thing we do take seriously, right? Or you have to, actually,
1: yeah, because uh, uh, a lot of uh, hypertensives are silent. You know, you a d- lot of them don't even know they got hypertension. Mm-hmm. Uh, so you want to think that you routinely should check apart from your sugars and cholesterol and things like that. Uh, if you have risk factors in the family, you know, strong family of hypertension, if you're someone who is OG overweight, if you smoke, you don't have enough exercise, so always check your blood pressure because you come across people who never knew they had a blood pressure until they had a heart attack or stroke. Right. What know. are
0: some of the signs and symptoms of uh, hypertension? So
1: that's the scary part because a lot of people actually might have no signs and symptoms really? until they are just checked, you know, and they find, wow, mm. routinely. And I've done this many times, you know, we have checked uh, people in, In corporations, we go there as a routine just to check and you find that, you always find 20-30% of people who have a higher blood pressure than normal who don't know their blood pressure. Now, some others have symptoms like, you know, heavy head, giddiness, neck pains, a bit of like blood sort of, they come up with uh, symptoms like that. But most of the time, it comes as a crisis. Right. You know, they come either with a stroke or with a heart failure and that's the danger of hypertension. So, you can be very silent. Mm -hmm. So, it's something so easy to do. In fact, a lot of people even have their own home monitors. I have one. Right. So, you can just check on and off in your home just to keep an eye on things like this.
0: Okay. How can you treat hypertension? I guess it's drugs, isn't it?
1: Yeah, but I think you still should try lifestyle, cutting down salt, uh, exercise, losing weight, taking a lot of fruits and vegetables, trying things like magnesium. You know, I've seen people try things like uh, Salaries and all that But what it basically means It's a healthy lifestyle Cut down the salt A lot of time People are taking Too much of extra salt Now if you find All this is uh, Not working Your pressure is Again above the uh, You know The limit of One 2080 which is Mm -hmm. we say cut off once more than 140 90 then you might have to see a doctor get some treatment you know but it's always good to see a doctor first make sure there are no other secondary causes of hypertension rare but you can have people with certain you know the tumors that can secrete uh, certain chemicals that can increase sometimes you can have uh, things like uh, you know renal artery stenosis undiagnosed so there's other things so the doctor again will be able to assess you and see but most of the time it's just essential hypertension we, we tell and then you have to go on drugs.
0: All right. Well, when we come back, we're taking a look at diet. Is it more important than exercise for maintaining weight loss? That's a question everyone wants to know because we all love our food. That's up next here on Light. When your share of 15K with Sounds Like a Song starts at 9 a.m. Well, this is a big question. Diet, is it more important than exercise for maintaining weight loss? A new study weighs in. And when it comes to losing weight, a large emphasis has been put on cleaning up our diets. Uh, What are your thoughts on this? Are we generally more dependent on diets compared to exercise?
1: No, I think it's definitely both are important. But if you're looking at weight loss, I think at least 70% comes from your diet. Mm -hmm. You know, a lot of times people come to me and say they exercise a lot. They go to the gym for an hour and then they see that on this, you know, the monitors or whatever they do and they have lost 400 calories. But why come they're not losing weight? And then if you go into their diet history, you find that though they lost 400 calories, they went to the fast food (laughs) and took 1,400 Calories, so
0: or they drank something, you yeah, know. It you know, was just liquid calories, liquid,
1: yeah, high calories, and so diet definitely plays a very important role in weight loss, you know. But this exercise is also as important because not just for weight loss but exercise alone has many benefits mm-hmm. you know and you're not just talking about aerobic exercise you're talking about aerobic exercise talking about stretching flexibility your core uh, muscles your strengthening some muscle building so bone, these health are, too, uh, yeah. bone health so all these so exercise plays a big role in your overall health mm-hmm. not just weight loss but I think it's a complement of the two but if you're just depending on exercise without controlling your diet you're going to find you're not going to get anywhere right so you know? what
0: is considered sufficient exercise to maintain weight
1: loss? Again, depending on what you are eating, so (laughs) it's what you eat, what you take out. People actually lose weight just going on certain diets, you know, Mm. they follow a sort of keto diet and all that, and without exercise, they still can lose weight, you know, but if you want to eat a bit more, then you must make sure you exercise more. So it's a a balance between the two, isn't it? So if you're taking in about 3,000 calories and you're exercising about Mm 1,200, then you're basically, if you need about 2,000, then you're going to lose weight because you're taking less overall, your calorie intake is less than and, you know, mm-hmm. what you require. But if you're going to take 4,000 calories of food and then you exercise 1,000 calories, it's not going to work anyway. You're still <laughs> going to end up putting on weight. So I think it's a balance between the two. But both are important. But if you're to lose weight, I think diet plays a bigger role.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, when we come back, you know, a lot of people are turning to air fryers because they think it's healthier. Is it indeed? We'll find out with Dr. Rajbans next on Light. Got Dr. Rajbans here, president of the Malaysian Wellness Society. Many sources claim that air fryers offer a healthy alternative for making fried foods, but what exactly are the benefits and risks of cooking with an air fryer, Dr. Rajbans?
1: I mean, if you look at when the air fryer came out, it was so exciting, you know, that yeah. you don't want to cook in that oil and all that oily stuff. And Do you
0: have one at home?
1: Uh, yeah, of course. Mm-hmm. You use an <laughs> air fryer. Uh, in fact, when it first came out, I gave a talk for Philip, so I got one free, you know, oh. so I was excited, yeah. But it's still fried. You know, it's not yeah. as the chemicals that produce when you fry in oil and with the air fryer, probably less, but it still creates some sort of chemical and it's still frying something. So it's better than the oil fried stuff, but it's still not what I would call a healthy food, mm-hmm. you know. So I would still want you to take your fruits and vegetables and all your good stuff that you're supposed to take. And this is a supplement to just, you know, something you want for taste that you are not going to fry in oil, but going to fry, you know, like my kids love their chips. Yeah, so french they fry. fries, yeah yeah and we don't do it every day but something they can take just as a few side dish which is i find better than frying in oil but it's not uh, alternative it's not healthy food that's what he was saying, Not healthy food. Right. It's just still frying. Still there will be some chemicals, but mm-hmm. better than the one using oil.
0: All right. Wonderful. Well, Doctor Ajban's your final word of advice for us this week.
1: I know recently I gave a talk to the Malaysian Institute of Insurance, and one of the things that we noticed was that healthcare is becoming very expensive. Yes. You know, it's, it's <laughs> crazy. The price of, uh, in and the people who pay for it, whether it's the corporations or governments or insurance, are finding that they just don't know what to do because it's just going up and up. And I think one of the things that we have. To to do is take personal responsibility for health because I think it's very important a lot of times we just neglect that until a crisis occurs Yes, you know, so I think we have to really start looking at personal responsibility start learning about what are the things you need to do and be responsible for your own health don't let somebody else decide for you once you get into a crisis so mm. look at prevention look at things that you need to do every day so it's still back to you the choice is yours
0: it sure is thank you very much Dr. Rajvans thank you of course if you want to revisit any of uh, his advice. This hour will be on podcast a little later this morning on light.my.